half asleep. Money's never much for a man in Tennessee. To a crowd with no ears. Wanna hear the songs they know and fill their bellies full of beer. But they don't know. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I've got a treat for the audience today. we got a brand new show on the network. I'm going to let our, our special host, who's been a guest on the show, introduce the name, the title, what it's about in a second. Uh, but we're on episode 197 now with the network uh, as we introduce this new show. We start to evolve and give our audience a little bit more of what they're asking for. To that audience, 18,700 subscribers as of this morning. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review so you can battle the analytics of the podcast world just like we do in baseball. Get us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I get back to one guest every day on Facebook Live. <clears throat> and you saw the last one we did was about analytics. I recommend you read that one. Um, it'll touch on the way that our audience can view the way analytics is used in baseball right now and how they should use it. 72 countries now, grassroots to MLB front offices. We've got everybody we want. We're trying to build a better baseball IQ out there. The show is going to do more than that for us. And our audience wrote this disclaimer for me, and I want to make sure I read it to them um, and honor them. As you listen, just prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball, as this program, like all the others, have no time for some of the, un- the comfortable lies that are being spread out there. So this show is going to hit you right between the eyes. With that, I want to reintroduce to the audience uh, veteran of uh, gosh, what, 40, 40 plus years, Bob, maybe longer, uh, yep. special assistant to the Washington Nationals right now. And uh, glad to uh, introduce Bob Schaefer on the show and with his new show called Touch Em All. Bob, welcome to your show, the star of the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, we'll kick this off with Bob Schaefer's Touch Em All. And the reason we call it Touch Em All is that we talk about various situations, fundamentals, uh, new school baseball, old school baseball. And just about everything I've done, just about everything in baseball, managing the minor leagues. I coached in the major leagues. I managed a little bit as interim manager. I was director of player development with the Boston Red Sox. And I've been a special assistant to general manager for like four general managers. So I've I scouted, I coached, I managed. I've done just about everything. And I started in high school. So I know what high school is all about. So as we do this pod, podcast, I would probably bring up some situation that happened in the major leagues. But just so everybody know, and people who play the game know how tough it is to play this game. Even major league players who are the best in the world have problems with fundamentals at times and problems with strategy at times. So hopefully it's like from everybody from little league on up, and hopefully somebody can take some things home and learn from it. Oh, they definitely will. And our audience should know, too, drafted as a shortstop by the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, World Series champion in college with UConn. Everybody thought UConn was just a basketball school, but you brought them to prominence with baseball back in 1966. So you've got success at every level, not just experience. Um, it's not like you've just been there. You, uh, you you tend to make things better wherever you go, and you're going to do the same thing with our network here. I want to start you off with something we talked about out the air, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna toss it, toss the general topic at you and let you go. Um, we, the Red Sox had some issues that you noticed the other day as you're watching baseball. I'll let you, let you expound upon that, what you saw and what they should have done. Well, there's some strategy involved, and uh, I don't know if it's the analytics that influence these managers to play the way they play, but uh, the situation was the Red Sox were up 2-1, to one, top of the eighth inning. Um, the first hitter hit a triple, so there's nobody out in the man on third base. Well, the infield was playing on the grass. The infielders play four depths. One depth, their first depth or one depth is uh, 
We playing for one out with your back, like nobody on base. Two depth is double play depth, where you're going for double play. And two depth is uh, two or three steps closer to home plate than the one depth. The three depth is halfway, like a, maybe a step back at baseline or maybe in the baseline. And four depth is on the grass, where you're playing for the guy at home plate. Now, each one of these depths can vary a little bit depending on the speed of the, the runner or the runners on base or the you know quickness of the infielder, the infielder's arm, and so forth. So one infielder may play a little deeper than another infielder because his arms are better than, than the other infielder. But anyway, the strategy with a man on third base and nobody out, the first thing the third base coach says to the runner is make the ball go through the infield. So why would you play on the grass and take a little bit of range away from yourself? You should play three depth which is like baseline maybe behind the baseline. Because, like I said, the base, the runner on third is not going unless the ball's through the infield. So it gives you like maybe another two or three steps range left or right. So I don't know if it's an analytical thing or what, but I was fortunate to play for George Kissel, who was probably the best teacher in baseball. Or put it this way, no one's better. He should be in the Hall of Fame. But stuff that he taught was outstanding. <clears throat> and he has a lot of people in baseball, in the major leagues, that play for him or worked with him, like Joe Torrey, uh, Jimmy Williams, and some of the best baseball people in the game. <clears throat> and one thing that George Kissel always said, you know, you never play on the grass with a man at third base and nobody out because the guy is not going. No one's going to get thrown at home plate for the first out. So why they did that, I don't know, unless it's an analytical thing. <clears throat> you know, I heard some guys say, in case for chopper. Well, first of all, on a chopper, the runner's not going anyway. He's not, he's not read the chopper. Now, the other situation, when you get on the third base and one out, now you're talking about the contact play. <clears throat> a lot of teams, like last night I was watching Yankees, they scored two runs on a contact play. <clears throat> the contact's a great play, but it's a risk. Man on third base, one out, the infield's going to be playing on the grass now. So the runner on third is going to get a walking lead and try to cheat a little bit, anticipate a ground ball. And he watches the bat. George Kissel used to have... Uh, base runners stand outside the batting cage and reading the ball off the bat so you get a good jump. So you want to get a uh, shorter lead to start with. Just start building up momentum. And the third base coach will not let you get picked off. Third base coach will tell you, look, at, if I say back, you're careful, that means the third baseman's sneaking in. In order to get picked off, the third baseman has to leave before the ball is released by the pitcher. So the third base coach can be your eyes. So now you get a shorter lead. You start creeping down. Go down and you, you go down with your, you know, you're still facing the infield, so you can go either way. And you anticipate a ground ball. Once the ball's hit on the ground, you take off. Now, two things can happen. A lot of them are good, and some might be bad, but the thing is, it's a gamble. But if the ball's hit two or three steps to left or right of the infielder, or it's a slow hit ball, you're probably going to score. And when you score, now that, that gives you a run, of course. And uh, if it's a hard hit ball right at the infielders, now you stop, you get in the rundown, and hopefully you can stay in the rundown long enough for the batter runner to get to second base. So you haven't lost a whole lot because now you still got a guy in scoring position. So the contact play is a very good play, but it has to be practiced by the infield and by the uh, base runners. They have to practice it. Third base coach has to be their eyes. And uh, like I said, last night, the Yankees got, got two runs on a contact play and not real fast runners either. They were smart runners, but not fast runners. Fast runners don't always mean good base runners, right? No, instincts 
getting a good lead. There's nothing about talking about a lead. You know, base running is very important. Uh, some teams have really taken advantage of it this year without with new rules where you can only throw to first base twice. I don't know about bigger, bigger bases being a whole lot of big factor other than maybe a safety factor at first base, but base running is, is very important. You take that extra base, it means a whole lot. So, like I said, it's instincts. And one thing about base running is that when you have a trail runner, maybe a guy in first and second, man on first base, I say the guy in first base take a real long lead, not long, but, you know, a big lead, and, and, stay, and stay stationary. He does not take a secondary lead. The secondary lead is when you, you get a little more of a lead when the pitcher delivers a pitch. But to me, it's the backup or the trail runner should take a normal lead, maybe a shorter lead, but go momentum toward the next base. So when the ball crosses home plate or in the hitting area, he's leaning toward the next base. But a lot of guys, like I said, will take a bigger lead because they know that they can, but then they don't get any secondary lead because they know if they do, they're probably going to get picked off. Yeah. As far as the, as far as the leads go, take us around the diamond. Um, first base. What's what's a customary? And I know we're we're not a visual show, we're an audio show. But how should a runner take a lead from first base? Well, to me, first base. First of all, you got to measure your lead. And the way we used to do it is have the hitter, the, the runner, lay down, put his right hand on base, stand up, and take two steps or one long step. Because once you get your lead, you're stepping a dive away. And if you can step and dive, you're going to beat most every pickoff play. Now, of course, every pitcher is different. There's some pitchers that have a short arm. They get rid of the ball quick, and the ball gets over to first base pretty quick. But the guys with a long arm action, you can take a bigger lead because he's not going to pick you off. But basically, you want to take a step and a dive. <clears throat> you also, <clears throat> excuse me, when you lead off the base, your toes have to be in line with the back of the base. So when you dive back, you're not going across. across. You're going right straight to the outside corner of the base. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's how we do. We always measure. Just lay down, stand up, cross over in that in market spot right there, and then go back to the base and see how many shuffle steps it takes you to get to that spot. Usually, it's like three and three and a half st- uh, shuffle steps. So when the pitcher gets on the mound, all you do is watching the pitcher. You're not watching the base. You're not watching anything else. Just watching the pitcher and see. You know, gets ready to pitch, goes into a stretch. You take your three and a half shuffle steps or whatever it is for you, and that's where you are. So you know exactly where you are. You're you're stepping a dive away from first base. Now, second base. Oh, go ahead. ahead. I was going to ask you a question there. Well, let me me ask you a question first because we get to second and third. I see a lot of mistakes right now even at the major league level with guys not knowing outs and not checking the depth of the outfield. Uh, How how important is that when you're leading? Let's take it off first base before we go to second. Is well, that the runner should do every, every time? Yeah, it's most important. I mean, you have to know where the outfielders are playing because, you know, when you're on first base, if you can get to third base on a base hit, that's very important. Because now you're in third base. Third base with one out, especially when you can score in another out. But the first thing you do is look where the outfielders are playing so you don't get double off number one. And, you know, if you, you know, good base runners, once the ball's hit, they can read the, the ball and they're full speed all the way to third. But if you don't know where the outfielders are playing, a lot of times they'll shift, you know, like sometimes a right fielder will play toward the right field line. You got to know where he is so that you don't, you know, you don't get double offered. You've got a better chance of taking an extra base if the ball is hit, you know, it's a base hit. But, uh, you know, number outs, I mean, that's something that, you know, count to three is not that tough, but sometimes, you know, players offensively and defensively lose track of what's going on because, uh, you know, they're, they're distracted somehow or thinking about their last step bad or thinking about an error they made. 
So the thing is, you also have the first base coach and third base coach could remind remind uh, runners all the time how many outs are. And defensively, same thing. I mean, defensively, I always told our players that when we played that uh, once you make an out, come up and signal one out, one out. It tells yourself there's one out, but tells your teammates there's one out too. So the infielders talk to the infielders, outfielders talk to the outfielders, and always remind each other of how many outs are. You don't think it's that tough, but it, sometimes you see it happen to our shortstop this year. He thought there was three outs, didn't, didn't uh, finish the play, and it was only two outs. Yeah. Well, it's happened to everybody. It's, uh, but it's, like you said, not too hard to count to three. It's a matter of – I always used to ask our guys, give, us, give me a verbal and a visual. Show me the number of outs on your hand and talk it to me. And that's uh, right. time once it's on your mind. Okay, take us to second base now. What's the, what's the proper mechanics to lead there? Well, second base, uh, you know, there's different philosophies there. Uh, as far as the lead, to me, you can take two steps in a dive. Because by the time the pitcher turns around, you can take an extra step. So I say you take two steps in a dive. So, again, you can look at that and see how far it is. You don't have to lay down and get up. But usually it's like maybe four and a half slide steps to get there. And uh, I think with two outs, you may want to get a little deeper in the baseline so that you can make that turn to third base a bit easier. You don't have to make go back into the uh, loop, so to speak, and then come back. So you get a little deeper in the baseline, so you make that turn to third easy. Because your your job at third base with two outs is a score. With one out and no outs, your job is to get to third base. So you want to stay in the baseline with no outs and one out. But you can say you get a little bit bigger lead because you can get you know two steps and dive to get back. No, I like that. Now with and that's I was going to ask you that question as an explanation to the audience. <laughs> leave it without prompt. What now? I watch nowadays, I, I don't see it as much in the major leagues, but I see it a lot in college. The World Series is on right now. I definitely see it at the grassroots level. Um, the shortstop, to me, as I'm a base runner, I love a loud shortstop because now I know where he is. The shortstops that always concern me were the quiet ones that just kind of got behind me. And as a result, I was I was coached on that lead to <laughs> I got my depth um, to almost try to get my body right in front of that shortstop and bury him so he couldn't see. Is, is that something that, that has uh, some credence in terms of how you coach it or heard that? Before? I don't think so because, first of all, your secondary lead, once you take your secondary lead, is when the ball is going to be by the hitter or to the hitter. So I don't think you're going to block out the shortstop. But the important thing, though, when you take a lead off is that you watch the pitcher and not the infielders. Some guys will turn their head back to see where the infielder is, and that's when you get picked off because if you watch the pitcher, he's the guy that can pick you off. The infielders, you know, can't pick you off, although they can be there. But – if you turn your head, and then as you turn your head, the pitcher starts turning, they make the throw to second, you're in trouble. So I would say that, uh, you know, instead of trying to trick the infielder, I don't I don't know if you can block them out. Uh, maybe you can, but a good infielder can still slide so that you don't get blocked out. Yeah, Paul, Paul Blair taught me that. He said to uh, <laughs> he said to, to try to bury him in the outfield. So, I, you know, when you're when you're growing up through the minors, you try, you try a little, little bit of everything and learn a little bit. My big thing was I would always take two steps back, I would I would take three steps in the direction I was going, and then I'd start creeping at an angle toward the the baseline uh, with less than two outs. Anyway, but yeah, um, so in other words, you started deeper, and then you started walking in. Yeah, there's a theory about that also. When I was managed with the, uh, I guess with the uh, yeah, I was managed I guess with Mets, and one of our uh, base running coaches wanted all the all the players to start deep and start walking toward third base on an angle build up momentum. And the problem with that is you start deep in a pitch, a pitch right away, you're farther away from third than if you started normally. 
And second of all, a good pitcher, as he sees you walking, he's just going to hold the ball. Eventually, you got to stop or he's going to pick you off. So I, I didn't. I never liked that theory. It sounded good, but in practicality, I don't think it really worked. I don't see anybody doing it anymore. So evidently, it didn't work for too many people. But everybody has their own theories, their own philosophies. You know, some work for some people, some don't. But I think that simply you can make the game better. It's going to be. It's all about execution rather than trickery. Yeah, no, I agree. I think 21 feet, I think that was our mark. If we could walk to 21 feet, uh, some of us had the green light to go. Um, yeah. I think. So take us to third base now. You know, the big thing I hate on third base, you talked a little bit about the contact player down angle offense to start. Uh, I, I cannot stand when line drives are hit and guys are doubled off third. What, what's uh, Talk us back through the third base lead again um, as, you, as you kind of get it all. All right, first of all, when you lead off third base, you also have to lead off in foul territory. Because if you uh, get hit with a foul ball, you're not out. You might be knocked out, but you're not out. If you're in fair territory, you get hit. Of course, you're out being hit with a fair ball. So you always lead off in ter- uh, foul territory. Um, you know, no matter what base you're on, when you take your secondary lead, once you see a line drive, you got to go back. You can't, especially at first base. A lot of guys could double off on a line drive to the left side of the infield. Well, first of all, that should never happen because you're not going to go to third on a line drive to left field even if it was over shortstop's head. Very rarely you're going to get to third. So once the line drive is hit, you got to retreat and head back and then probably just take one more base if it's a base hit. But a third base, same thing. Line drive, fly ball, you got to head back, less than two outs. Um, you know, again, like any other base, you got to get a secondary lead, so you're leaning toward the next base as the ball gets in a hitting area. And a third base is very important because – if you're leaning toward home plate and the ball goes in the dirt or gets by the catcher, you just continue on, you're going to score easily. But if you take a bigger lead, you're going to have to retreat before the ball gets to the catcher. Otherwise, you may get picked off. And then you might not score on a pass ball or a short pass ball. So, again, you always have to be – your secondary lead always has to be so that you may go and build up momentum toward the next base. And uh, I think that at third – Again, the base coaches are very important for base runners. They, a good base coach, a good third base coach will be, even with third base, in watching the third baseman as the ball is delivered to the plate by the pitcher. Because, again, like I said before, in order for them to pick you off, the third baseman's got to leave his position before the ball is delivered in order to get there. So if the third base coach is back behind, behind third or at third, he can see the third baseman. His job, watch the third baseman as the pitch is delivered didn't pick up the ball at home plate. But the third base coach is his eyes, and just like first base. When the first base is playing behind the runner, the first base coach is his eyes, and he's the one that watches them and uh, lets them know. Now, getting back to second base, you know, a good third base coach, to me, it's tough in the big leagues because it's a lot of noise. But I used all said uh, three words, all right, careful, and back. But I never said back. All I said was all right and careful. So in the minor leagues, we stole a lot of a lot of times we stole third base. I say, all right, all right, all right. So if the steal was not on, as I'm saying, all right, the, the uh, runner keeps his regular lead. If I say, all right, and no, if I say, all right, say the steal is on. So I say, all right, all right, all right. So now he gets a little creeping lead, starts cheating a little bit, starts getting a walking lead. If I say careful, that means the runner, you know, the, the shortstop or second baseman is sneaking in behind you. So careful means get right back where you started from. But if I kept saying, all right, all right, all right, 
he gets a walk and lead, he can steal third base very easily. And it gets back to you know, how uh, middle infields hold the runner on second base. I always felt that the infielder should get a little deeper and start creeping toward the base. Just got creep in as the pitcher's looking. Now, the third base coach cannot say, all right, because, you know, he might just keep going and pick you off. But I don't like it when the infielder starts towards second base and it backtracks, you know, toward the outfield before the pitcher releases the ball. Again, again, a good third base coach, once he backtracks, he'll say, all right, all right, all right. You, so you get your walking lead again. Yeah. There's a lot of things. It's tough to describe it without showing it. But um, the communication that the third base coach and the first base co- coach make to the, uh, to the base runners is very important. <clears throat> yeah, I think, well, I think you gave a good, and I know, again, we're not a visual show, but I think you gave a good visual with your words there so our audience could pick that up. Now, um, as far as, the, and I see this again at all levels, the college kids, uh, and, and you, you may have gone through this with the minor leagues um, more recently than later, but even something simple like the hand signals as to what to do when you get a, get, uh, get into a base. You know, they're coming to third base, let's say, and you're, you want them to stand up or you want them to, to round the bag and find the ball or you want them to get down, you know, right or left. What are, what are the cues you give there, verbal, visual, to runners? Well, the, I like that good point there. The most important thing is a base runner. When you come into a base, you've got to find the ball. A lot of guys come into base, slide in, whatever, and drop their head, and they don't know where the ball is. And if the ball is bobbled in the outfield – you know, by the relay man, so by the time the coach sees that and lets you know, it's too late. But the coach will like, you know, if he wants you to take a turn, another thing for the third base coach, the third base coach really, he'll wave you, but you're running all the way. You run until he stops you. The third base coach's job basically just to stop you when you have to get stopped. But these runners that think they stopped themselves, that's not how you do it. You run as hard as you can all the way to the third base coach stops you. And a good third base coach will be down the line and staying in front of you as long as he can because he may have to stop you at the last minute. But the bad third base coaches stay near the base and they wave you too soon. And again, you're out by 10, 15 feet. So a good third base coach got to stay in front of you, go down the line. And if he has to stop, he can stop. You can still have time to get back to third base. But again, when you come in at third, like a lot of times, you know, if you're not going to go, Third base coaches tell you just, you know, he'll point at the base, like stay right there. But as a runner, you have to turn around, find the ball. Always find the ball. Don't just put your head down. Find the ball and you never know what might happen. <clears throat> what about if you want him to stand up at the bag, you want to right to the bag and stay? Or what about, um, you know, sliding? What's the what's the verbal visuals on that? Well, you just, kind of, you know, give him a stand-up sign, but then, you know, point to where the ball is. So, I mean, I'd point to the base and point to where the ball is. So, you know, you stay on the base, there's the ball over there. Yeah, so you point and, uh, the back, point the there, but uh, again, when in doubt, slide. Uh, but a, a good third base coach won't make you slide unless you have to slide. But again, you know, sliding is another thing we're talking about. It's probably the worst skill in the game. It's worse than bunny. <coughs> guys have to dive into bases and take a chance of breaking their fingers or wrists or whatever. But you have to learn how to slide, and it's not that tough to learn. And the best place to learn how to slide is on wet grass. But that's for another day, probably. Yeah, I think we could do a whole show on X. I agree with you. More guys are yeah. getting hurt sliding. And the funny part, well, it's not funny, but they've got all this armor on right now. They've got these hand uh, protection things now, these big sleeves. <coughs> that's, uh, that's supposed to protect them if they learn to do it the right way. Um, but, yeah, we'll cover that definitely in another show. And then yeah. kind of taking us back to what's, what's the role of the on-deck batter at the plate at the plate? Well, the on-deck batter is a coach. 
the home plate coach. We get the first base, third base, and a home plate coach. He's, he's the coach. He has to get up there. As soon as the ball is hit, he has to get up there and you know let the runner know to slide and which way to slide or to stay up. But a lot of guys will stand in the on-deck circle and just be a spectator. And you know he's got to get up there and direct traffic, so to speak, and uh, let the runner know. And one thing, you know, I know you can't block the plate anymore, but you still can't dive in a home plate. That's like diving out of your hotel window. You got you got to just you know you got to slide. Even if you do a backdoor slide, which a lot of people don't know what that is, a lot of times you'll go at the catcher, then you feel off, veer off to the right, say, you slide back to past the base, and you flip over and touch with your right hand. So your backdoor slide, we call it. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I did it one time in the minor leagues, and Ted Simmons was playing with us. He was a young kid then. I wasn't old myself, but I was older than he was. But I did a backdoor slide. It looked like I was going to hit the catcher, but I knew better because I would have got hurt. So I, I went around him. And slid by him and, and came back with my right hand and touched the back of the plate. And the catcher was like trying to, you know, go down toward me. And I went around him and just touched the base. But that's the backdoor slide. But a good on-deck hitter, a smart on-deck hitter, will be up there and let the runner know. Should I sl- let him know if you slide or he's going to be, you know, stand up or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I think that's important because, again, I see that a lot um, with, with even at grassroots all the way to MLB. Guys are more worried about the celebration than they are doing the right play. And then I guess take us full, full circle here out of the box. Um, I used to love watching Pete Rose run the bases, you know, not a fast yeah. guy, but ran the bases hard. And uh, I noticed what he did. And he t- I don't know if it was just him or it's, it's uh, it was coached. I know I was, I was taught to do this. Maybe it was from watching him, but on a ball hitting the infield, running through the bag, um, the way they should run down the line, no matter what, and then what they should do once they get through the bag, um, take us through that. And, and then maybe uh, on a, on a simple base hit to the outfield, which they should be thinking. Well, when you hit a ground ball to the infield, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're not real happy because you probably get jammed or something. But my whole thing was you got to run hard until you're out. So you got to run hard all the way through the base. And if you're going to be out, you're out. But you got to run hard all the way through the base and don't slow down until you're out and not usually on a ground ball. You're not out until you get right to the base. So run hard until you're out. Now, when you go through the base, you know, if you don't make an attempt to go to second, they can tag you out. I mean, you should practice, do it just so there's no uh, question. You should turn toward foul territory and you come back to the base that way. Now, some guys turn toward fair territory and the umpire's judgment, if he thinks you made an attempt, he, they can tag you out. But run through the base and, and just, you know, just run as hard as you can. Now, the new bases, a little bit bigger, so I guess a little bit closer to home. But I think I'm not a big fan of new bases other than the fact I think it's a safety thing, especially at first base for the first baseman. But I don't think they increased the stolen base attempts. I think that two throws to first base has more to do with guys stealing more bases. But whatever, it's not a bad thing. <clears throat> but, again, you got to run hard, and you run hard all the way to your out, even if you hit a ball to the outfield. When you hit a ball to the outfield, your mentality is, I'm going to make a double. You think double. You, you make doubles when you come out of the box. You don't make doubles once you uh, reach first base. So th- uh, think double all the way. Go into your turn. And, again, the angle you go around first base is uh, the arc before the base should be the same arc after the base. In other words, you got to veer out a little sooner. You can't make a like, question mark turn, so to speak. You know, a lot of guys who go straight down the base, all of a sudden they veer out quick and turn to go to the next base. Well, you should angle out slowly and gradually so that that arc, if you do a 90-degree angle between home plate and first base and second base, your arc before the base should be the same as your arc after the base. That's the shortest distance. 
So you got to get into that arc right away, but do it from the time you leave home plate. And then now when you go by the pace, uh, past the base, you take your turn, you're watching the ball. If it's fielded cleanly, now you got to get back to the base. But the way you stop is you stop like an ice skater. In other words, your feet are sideways. You don't stop with your you know, your chest facing the outfield. That's tough to stop that. So you take arc and you stop the other way where you can actually push against your foot like an ice skater would stop. And that's the proper way of stopping to get back to the base. But again, you're always watching the ball. Then you get back to the base. First base coach can help you. But uh, you got to think doubles. Doubles are started out of the box. Triples are started from the time you leave home plate. And that's the aggressive base runners, and that's the way you, that's the right way of doing it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know the answer to this, and you do, but I want to make sure our audience, especially the young kids out there, why do you think doubles out of the box, even if it's a routine single in your mind? What was that? I didn't quite hear you. I said, so I know you know the answer, and so do I, but I want this for our young audience out there. When you hit a routine single to, to, you know, to the alpha, or maybe they have to move a step or two, why should the mentality be doubles out of the box? Well, because you make a double from the time you leave it. I mean, you don't you don't all of a sudden turn a single to double. You turn it, you you think doubles, so that you don't lose you know ground in the meantime. But if you're thinking double, you can always stop. If you're thinking singles to start up again to get a double, might not work out too well for you. So think double all the way. You think triple if it's up the alley, and then the, the play will determine when you stop. But you got to be aggressive and. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, I know it's a big league thing where they go down and jog down at first and they, you know, all that stuff. But I mean, they're playing 162 games. So sometimes you got to take a little pressure off your legs and, you know, you can't like kill yourself. But uh, the same token, the good players or the aggressive players, they run hard all the time. And it puts pressure on the defense. When the outfielder knows you might be trying to stretch out from a single to a double, he might rush a little bit. He might take his eye off the ball to see where you are. And there yeah. all of a sudden he bobbles the ball and boom, you're in second base. So the good base runners take advantage of stuff like that. Yeah, that was the point I was I was hoping you'd make with the young kids out there because that one out of fifty times that the you know the guy loafs it to the ball or bobbles because he knows you're rushing. That's that time you can get from first to second, turn into a double, and now all of a sudden you're it's a whole different ball game. You get you're in scoring position. So I like that advice. That was just on one game, one visual. We, we went through all thirty minutes of, of base running just on one thing you saw with the Red Sox. So. I hope our audience is buckling their seatbelt because that, that's the kind of show we're going to give you here. But what, what else have you seen this week, Bob, is watching baseball? Anything else? back to base running, you know, you can't assume anything. You can't assume the guy's going to catch the ball. You can't assume he's not going to bobble the ball. So if you don't assume, just anticipate what you want to do and go. Another, another thing I saw, the Red Sox, uh, Vertigo, made a great throw home on a base hit and threw the run out of home plate. The runner was on second base. And uh, – he made a great throw home. The reason it was a great throw is because he threw one hop to the base. The one hop throw to a base is the, the best way to control the running game. I mean, the thing is, people hit the cutoff, man. I'm not a big believer in hitting the cutoff, man, for two reasons. First of all, it's tough to hit a guy in, a, in the air. You know, you want to hit him in the chest, so to speak. But sometimes the cutoff man can't get where he, where he could be a good target for you. So if he can't get there because he's playing too deep, you're too far left or right, it's tough. So now you throw it to the t- cutoff man that's not in the right spot, it's going to be a bad throw. But if you throw one hop to the base, first of all, I don't call him a cutoff man. I call him a control man. So the cutoff man, control man, gets a little deeper, a little closer to home plate with a man in second, a little closer to third base with a man in first, the guy going first to third, second to home. So if he gets a little deeper, 
he can control the throw. The outfielder throws one hop. And we used to practice it when I was outfield coach at the Dodgers. We warmed up. All the outfielders who one-hopped each other. You can control a one-hop throw easier than you can throwing a ball in the air to someone because you can miss a spot by 15, maybe 20 feet. It'll be, still be a one-hop to the catcher or the third baseman, your tag man. And the thing is, one, on a one-hop throw, it very rarely gets above his, his waist. So it's easy to tag. So if you practice on one-hop, another thing about throwing one-hop, the most important thing to me for team defense are outfielders' arms. Outfielders that can't throw, they're a detriment to the defense. So they allow another 90 feet. But if you can throw and you can practice throwing, you may not have a great arm, but if you get to the ball quick, get rid of it quick, you got a pretty good arm now. But if you throw one hop to the base, the cutoff man is a control man. He's a little bit deeper. He can control any throw. So if the throw is offline or the, or the lead runner is going to score or take, you know, go to third, first to third, then he can cut that ball off and keep the batter runner on first base. Most important thing is to keep from getting a big inning against you. And the way you do that is keep the double play in order. So say you got man at second, like vertical threw the ball the other day, one hop home. It was cuttable. So the batter runner had, you know, he had to hold up at first base because if he cut it, he would have been out of second base. But the guy, the lead runner was out, which was even better. So, if you throw one hop to the base, it's cuttable. You control the trail runner. And a lot of times you'll throw the runner out because the ball will get there just as fast, if not quicker, when it skips on the grass. And it's a good, easy ball for the catcher to handle and make the tag. Yeah, And you, you promote that to third base as well. What about second base? Well, third, third base, same thing at third. I mean, you know, the men, men are, uh, say, first and second. So the ball's hit to uh, – say right field, say center field. And the center field has a little tougher time throwing guys at home because he's usually a little bit deeper and the mound has a little factor in that too, but not really. But usually the center field, his arm's not quite as good as the right field is, but, you know, like left field. Uh, the thing is, when men on first and second, say the right fielder makes a throw to third base. If he throws it one hop to third base and the guy's going to make it, now that the uh, third shortstop will cut the ball off, so now we got first and third. If he gets over his head and the guy's safe at third, now we got second and third. So take that extra 90 feet away is very important because now you still got a double play in order. So one out, ground ball, they don't score a run. But if the ball went over his head and he was safe at third, now we got second, third, and, uh, you know, ground ball, whatever, they, they score a run. So take that extra 90 feet away is very important. But and the thing about the one-hop throw, you can practice that. You can practice throwing one-hop. It's very tough to throw, like I said, a hit a cutoff man. And there's a difference between a cutoff man's the, uh, man in the infield, first baseman, third baseman, and the shortstop at third. The relay man is the uh, second baseman shortstop. Sometimes the first baseman goes out in the outfield to relay the ball to the home plate or third base, whatever. So there's a difference between a cutoff man and a relay man. And I hear somebody broadcast say, well, you missed a cutoff man. Well, that was a guy in the outfield. That's the relay man. There's a difference. So you, now the really man, you got to throw the ball in the air to him. It's usually a shorter throw than it is to throw to a base because he goes out in the field. And the really man goes out as far as he can go where you can still throw a one-hop strike to short, to third base or to home plate. So really man, cutoff man is different. But outfitters' arms, like I said, are most important. They have to be worked on. I don't know how many guys practice it. We used to, when I coached in uh, L.A., every homestand, we'd come home. I'd have the outfielders throw four or five throws each base 
no cutoff man, just throw one hop. And we used to keep score. You know, okay, he's four for five and throws. And it was a game. But you know what? They got better. Before the game, they'd throw one hop to each other. And it was amazing. I remember uh, one Pierre and uh, Andre Ether, they put the glove down there. And many times the ball within, you know, maybe a, a little bit of maybe a foot away from the glove because the one hop throw was very accurate. Yeah. I like that teaching point because obviously the, you know, the base is stationary and they can get their targets set pretty early. If they're waiting on that cutoff man to get there, that's, that's a, that's a moving object. So much more. Well, like I said, sometimes, sometimes the cutoff man can't get there because he's playing deep, you know, man in a second, a lot of times a little deeper. So they keep the ball in the infield. Now where I, where I came up with this is that we had uh, Lachelle Tarver in triple A with the Mets, my man is triple A. And Lachelle used to throw the ball like from three quarters and a ball used to tail like hell, but he had a good arm. So I said, Lachelle, you got to get over the top more so you can, you know, the ball go true. Well, he couldn't throw from over the top. He lost a lot of velocity. So that's why I caught it because for the shortstop to throw him up, sort of, I mean, to line up for third base, he'd have to line up way left of where third base was for the ball to tail back to third base. So I said, you know what? Throw one hop to the base. And it worked out very good. And uh, I've been teaching that ever since. I like that. I'm going to use that myself. I always steal something from every show, and I, I've got about seven things I'm taking from this show already to our practices tomorrow with our groups. So with uh, with the cutoff and relay, you got into that. Explain the difference between the cutoff and the relay man to the audience right here. Um, you know, in terms in terms of where the ball's hit, in terms of what the situation is, G- give them a little bit more on that. Well, the good news is that they changed the position infielders this year. It went back to the old days where you can, you know. You can make double plays because somebody can get to second base. In other words, you can't overshift. Now, with overshift, I don't know how you would, you know, I don't, that was a different animal altogether, how you can line up and everything else. But basically, you know, the cutoff man is the one in the infield, shortstop to third base, first base from third base to home plate, and so forth. But the cutoff man is a guy, he controls the throw to keep the trail man, or, man from running, you know, taking second base, keeping, you know, better running, you know. The ball goes, the worst thing that can happen is the guy throws home, right field throws home, center field, right left field throws home. He goes over the cutoff man's head. So the, the batter runner reads the throw, the angle of the throw, and he just keeps going to second base. So if you throw one hop, it's always going to be a cuttable throw. But these guys who try to airmail the ball all the way, it doesn't work out too well. Maybe in a sacrifice fly, but even then it's not that accurate. Now the, the cutoff, the trail guy, I mean, uh, the guy in the outfield, I call him the, you know, the, the trail, you know, trail infielder, there's a trailer and there's a relay man. Relay man goes out, trailer goes about maybe 10, 15 feet behind him. So if it's a little bit over his head, the trailer can catch the ball. It's on an extra base hit now. The trail infielder will catch the ball and, and so forth. But he's like a quarterback. He goes out behind the, behind the relay man and he, he lets him know where to throw it or to hold it, no play. But he's his eyes. And a good infielder, that knows what he's doing, and you got to practice it. You know, he lines up, puts his arms up. The outfielder hits him, try to hit him like chest high. And as the ball is thrown, he twists toward his, you know, toward his glove hand. And so he catches the ball on the side and, you know, just lo- unloads and lets it go to third base or home play, wherever he's throwing it to. So, in other words, it's all one motion. Catch it and throw it in one motion. But you got to be spinning towards your glove as you're catching the ball. With um, with the cutoff itself, who commands whether it's cut off or let go, let through? Well, at home, the catcher's going to call it. Um, you know, again, I think the trail guy, I mean, the cutoff man, 
I think he's got a peak at the runner coming around third or coming around second. He's got a peak. Sometimes you can't hear the, you know, the, the tag man call it, especially in the big leagues when there's a lot of noise and everything. But I think that, the, you know, the cutoff man or control man, he's got to kind of look himself. And, again, if you get deeper, you got a longer time to look and see if the guy's going to beat the throw or not. So, I mean, he can almost do it himself. But, you know, I did, a lot of people teach uh, if you don't say anything, let the ball go. Well, to me, I want to say something every time. Let it go, let it go, let it go, or cut, cut. And if you cut it, again, you're playing the trail guy. Let it go, let it go. If you can't hear him, then I got to say that, you know, you got a trail guy, or, I mean, a uh, control guy, cutoff man. He's got to uh, he's got to kind of peek himself and find out if the guy's going to make it. And if he isn't, cut the ball out to keep the trail guy from going to second base. Now, one of my pet peeves, now we, we've been on 40 minutes, or this thing's gone pretty quick. One of my pet peeves is when I see the pitcher standing right in the middle of the field. What should the pitcher be doing on um, on, on plays with balls hit to the outfield? I know it d- depends on where the runner's at and where's the play's at. But rule of thumb, let's say runner in scoring position, where should the pitcher be moving his body um, on contact? Well, with a man on first and second, he's got to go like between home and third and then react where the ball's going to be thrown. With a man just on second, he's got to go behind the home plate. And again, he's just a safety valve, so to speak. The ball's overthrown. He's got to keep the you know the batter runner from going over to third. Or I don't think one, once it goes over to catcher's head, he's going to go to second anyway. But he's got to back up the play. And you know, the thing about relays and cutoffs, everybody has a job on every play. Nobody, there's no play where nobody does or anybody doesn't nothing. You got to do something. You got to cover base. Or you got to back up a base. In a pitcher, unfortunately, again, they lose the concentration or they're ticked off because the guy got a hit. So a lot of times you stand there and become a spectator. Well, that's not what you got to do. But with a man in first and second, or the base load, of course, he has to go between third and home and just read where the ball's going to be thrown to and then back up that base. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I like that. And I always I always task our catcher to think for the pitcher, you know, and remind him yeah. just know where to go, give him, give him a verbal, use his name and location uh, to help him out. And then the last one with this. So that's, that's a good point what you said there. You know, defense is all – it's all about uh, anticipate and communicate. That's what it's all about. And if you can anticipate where the play is going to be made, I mean, if you're playing defense and, you know, no matter what position, you got to tell yourself, okay, the ball's hit to me, what am I going to do with it? If the ball hit to my left, what am I going to do with it? ball hit to my right. If the ball's a slow roller, if you're infielder, in outfield, if it's over my head to left to right, what am I going to do with it? So you got to anticipate. And then you got to communicate with each other. And uh, that's that becomes very important. Like a lot of – Times, you know, the ball's hitting the right center field, short, uh, third baseman. I mean, the center fielder picks the ball up. The right fielder should let him know. Hit the relay man. Hit the relay man. Just remind each other and communicate. Yeah. No, that's, you can get through a lot of situations if you talk. You can talk your way yeah. through. Now, uh, catcher, now, you mentioned the catcher commanding on place to the plate. What what should the catcher's uh, position at the plate be on a, ta- on a uh, tag play at the plate? How should their body be set up? Well, you know, no rules. You can't hit the catcher. The catcher has to give him a, a sliding lane. <clears throat> so you have to be up in front of the plate. And uh, I don't really understand exactly how that rule is. I don't think anybody does. You watch TV and, you know, they're all saying, well, that's doesn't that, you know, he's illegal. He's legal. He did it right. Didn't. But I think what it is, is once you get the ball, you can't block the plate until you catch the ball. And that rule has always been in effect. But once you get the ball, you have to give the third base or the runner coming around third base, you have to give him a sliding lane. 
give them a chance to slide to the base without you can't block them off. <clears throat> so therefore, you have to you got to be in front of the plate. So if you get in front of the plate and then catch the ball, and you know some catchers keep the mask on. I don't know. I was a catcher in high school in the Legion ball, but I, I never did that because I, I wanted to see the ball better. Because in those days, those masks weren't quite what they are now. I don't think, but but a lot of guys, you know, they keep it on and. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's a little difficult, but they feel comfortable. Whatever, whatever's more comfortable for them, they do it. But I think that uh, again, you have to be in front of the plate, catch the ball, and then tag the runner. Yeah, my son catches. He 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 takes his off, and sometimes I see him kind of strategic with it. I've asked him; he'll drop his helmet right in the base path sometimes. Um, yeah, well, that's not. He probably get dropped the next time he gets up to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they can't do that anymore either. So no, no. <laughs> they can do what they want. Yes, and now uh, catcher again. Ground ball infield, uh, nobody on base. You know, I, I don't see this a lot. I'm, I'm, again, my son does it, tries his ideas to beat the runner down. But what should the catcher be doing on a ground ball to the infield, um, routine ground ball? Well, he's got to back up first base. He's got to go as deep as he can, as close to the stands or the out-of-bounds line as he can to keep the ball from going out-of-bounds or keep it, you know, try to keep it in front of him, so to speak. But keep get as close to the stands so the ball bounces off the stands on a bad throw. You can keep the guy from going to third. Or second, I mean. But, again, if the ball's at the left side of the infield, and he misses first baseman, throws the ball wild, that's the second baseman's got to be there. Second baseman's got to back up first also with a ground ball to the left side. But the catcher, you know, the ball, ball is second base. Uh, if it's thrown wild, catcher should be able to keep the ball in play enough so the runner can't get to second base. But he's got to be doing – it's like, again, everybody has something to do on every play, and the catcher has to back up. You know, first base on a ball hit to the infield, except, of course, when there's runners on base, you know, on second for sure. He can't leave home plate. Yeah, I, I like the, the, the comment on second base, too. I was a second baseman, and that was – that was I don't know that that was, that was ever taught, but uh, that was something that I did naturally where that ball left side, I was moving in the direction of a potential bad throw um, towards yeah, first But it's nothing else. I mean, you, just, you don't have to cover second base. I mean, you know, you cover – you back up. In case it hits the stands and bounces off, you might be right there to get it to throw the shortstop at second base. And, again, second base is covered. Another thing, every base has to be covered, but the shortstop will cover second as you vacate the back up to throw it first. Right. Yep, and the right fielder should be converging also, everybody moving on every right. play. Well, we're, we've, we've gone over 45 minutes now, uh, but what else, what else, anything else on your mind from the week of baseball, or do you want to leave the audience wanting more for next week? Yeah, we'll continue next week. I don't know if it's anything that's that urgent that we can cover quickly, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, defense, anticipate, communicate. Uh, offense, don't take anything for granted. Don't assume anything. As a base runner especially, just you'll run hard all the time. You run hard till you out. And uh, you never know. I mean, a lot of times uh, weird things happen. I mean, even big league games, weird things happen. I saw a guy drop a pop-up the other day. And the runner was running all the way, and he made all the way to second base. So, you know, it's little things like that win baseball games over the course of the full season. So just don't don't uh, assume anything. If you kids out there playing, you know, run hard. And I know it's frustrating. I mean, it's it's very hard. I mean, George Brett, I coached him. You know, as a coachman, he played there in Kansas City four years. And not one time did George not run hard down the first baseline. He got jammed a few times, and. When he got down there, when he was out, he came in the dugout, and you know you you could hear him go crazy. But he didn't like sulk because he after he hit it and jogged down, he ran hard every time, and and that's what the game's all about. That's why he's a great player. He's a great he was a great influence on the rest of the players. Besides, 
Yeah, when you when your best player is playing the game the right way, it makes it a lot easier to to, to manage a team. I agree. Right. George always said he said, you know, they put the velocity of the pitcher on the scoreboard. They only put the time of the first base on the scoreboard. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> Fair point. They'd probably run harder if they did. Yeah, right. Hope. Well, Bob, that was a great first show. I think uh, our audience got a ton from it. I know I got smarter from it. I was taking notes like crazy while you're talking. And I think the, the 18,600 subscribers got a strong uh, idea of just how deep we're going to get into the fundamentals of the game of baseball from, from our new show on the network, Touch Em All, with Bob Schaefer. Bob, thanks so much for a great first effort, and I uh, look forward to next week with you. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, and just a quick reminder again to our subscribers, 18,600. Make sure you download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We're battling the analytics of the podcast world, just like you do in baseball. Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Stitchers, where you can stream us. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can get us on there. I engage with the audience one question a day on Facebook. 72 countries. So, Bob, you're global now if you weren't before. Uh, grassroots all the way to MLB front offices. Just trying to build a better baseball IQ and as promised and, and Bob delivered today, just prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball because this program, like all the others, are going to hit you with the comfortable lies that are being told. We're going to hit you right between the eyes. Bob, thanks again for the show. And that's Touch Em All, episode 197 on the Real Voice of the Game Network. Have a great week. Have a great week, Bob. Thank you. So long I can't remember